Well, good morning. Welcome back to Long Hill Baptist Church in our Sunday morning service. If you would take your hymn sheet to number 586, your hymn sheets to number 586, we'll sing glory to his name. We'll sing the first, second, and last of glory to his name. Down at the cross where my Savior died, down where for cleansing from sin I cried, there to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. I am so wondrously safe from sin. Jesus so sweetly abides within, there at the cross where he took me in. Glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied, glory to his name, and the last. Come to this fountain so rich and sweet. Cast thy poor soul at the Savior's feet. Plunge in today and be made complete. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart was the blood applied. Glory to his name. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us for the 11 o'clock morning service at Long Hill Baptist Church here in Trumbull. Uh, it's good to have you with us this morning. Of course, we would much rather have you here physically with us, uh, but we continue uh, to seek God's wisdom regarding uh, an appropriate time for reopening our building and ask you to continue to pray with us, please, uh, in that regard. We do not want to get ahead of what would be wise or, or healthy or the will of God, so uh, please do pray with us. Let's go ahead and open in prayer this morning. Father God, we thank you this morning for our church. Lord, we understand the building is not the church, but we also understand, Father, that you would uh, you desire your people to uh, be assembling together, to worship together in your presence. And Lord, we pray for your wisdom regarding uh, when to begin doing that again. Uh, Father, we look to you for your guidance. Lord, we thank you this morning that uh, your people continue to fellowship, albeit electronically for the most part. Uh, I thank you for people who continue to encourage each other. I thank you for people who continue to serve in, in ways that are possible at this time. And Lord, I'm grateful for that. I, I, I thank you, Father, for uh, the heart of the people of this church. Lord, I pray you bless them for hearts that are right before you. Father, we ask that you would meet with us this morning. Lord, that uh, you give us uh, hearts and minds that are bowed to you and desiring to hear from you and your word this morning. And Lord, to be built up, yes, to be reminded perhaps, but to be built up, and uh, Lord, also to respond to your word exactly as you desire. Lord, help us to have that goal this morning, uh, to not only to know uh, what you've said, but Lord, to know how you would have each of us to respond this morning for your honor and your glory. Father, I love you. I ask you to work now this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's take our hymn sheets again and turn to number 153. We'll sing Jesus is Coming Again, number 153. We'll sing the first and the last. 153, the first and the last of Jesus is Coming Again. Marvelous message we bring. Glorious carol we sing, wonderful word of the King, Jesus is coming again, coming again, 
again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again, and the last standing before him at last. Trial and trouble all past, frowns at his feet we will cast. Jesus is coming again, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, and maybe soon. Coming again, coming again. Oh, what a wonderful day it will be. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Now let's turn in our hymn sheets to 133. Number 133, we'll sing the first, second, third, and last. First, second, third, and last of Hallelujah, What a Savior. Man of sorrows, what a name For the Son of God who came Ruined sinners to reclaim Hallelujah, what a Savior Bearing shame and scoffing rude In my place condemned he stood Seal my pardon with his blood Hallelujah, what a Savior Guilty, vile, and helpless we Spotless Lamb of God was He, full atonement can it be, hallelujah, what a Savior. Let's go ahead and sing the fourth as well. Lifted up was He to die, it is finished was His cry, now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior, and the last. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song will sing, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Well, hallelujah, what a Savior indeed. Please take your Bible this morning and turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. We continue new study through, uh, a new series through the book of Ephesians this morning. I want to take a moment and uh, thank you again, uh, church members, uh, who continue to do what you can at this difficult time to keep up fellowshipping together. Uh, to continue encouraging each other, uh, to continue serving. Uh, we had a, a really wonderful Friday night fellowship online with the Hardecker family who joined us from uh, the Philippines. We, we joked that they joined us from the future because it was Saturday morning for them. Uh, and then Saturday morning for us, we had a good time of outreach here in Trumbull, taking all the right precautions uh, masks and gloves and only going and hanging mailboxes and trying to distance and all of that. But uh, thank you those who were able to come out and, and just continue uh, to serve and do what we can to get the gospel message out at this time. And uh, then this morning I was encouraged to have a number of men join us by conference call uh, for prayer time. We prayed for the Sunday school hour and for this time and uh, for the business meeting at 5 o'clock today, online, of course, and for our evening service. And just want to thank uh, everyone who continues to do all that you can uh, to fellowship and serve and to pray. And I know sometimes you can't come into some of these online meetings, but you're still doing things kind of behind the scenes, making phone calls and sending cards and uh, taking care to be prayerful at home and 
uh, and to spend time in prayer. That is so very important. Uh, it's always important, but perhaps particularly important uh, at a time like this one. So we'll stop there this morning and ask you a question, and this will be uh, kind of a controlling question for our message this morning. What is it? Here's the question. Get this down, please. What is it that prompts you to pray for one another? Uh, what is it that prompts you to pray for one another? Uh, take your Bible, please. Let's uh, read the passage this morning. We'll, we'll pick up our uh, series in Ephesians here in Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15. We'll read down through the end of the chapter, verse 23, uh, this morning, and, and that'll be our passage for this message. So here in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 15, follow along with me, please. Uh, Paul writes to the church members there in the Ephesian church. He says, Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and verse 19 what is the exceeding great greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ, verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. This morning I've titled the message, Paul's Purposeful Prayer. Uh, Paul's Purposeful Prayer. I want us to see this morning uh, his prompts to pray, uh, and then the particulars of his prayer, and the purpose that we see here. So three Ps this morning. Uh, three Ps. Paul's uh, purposeful prayer. What prompted him? What did he pray? What were the particulars? And what purpose do we see? Uh, what's the ultimate purpose that we see uh, for this prayer this morning? Let's bow our heads and do pray, please. And we'll jump right in here. Father, thank you this morning for this wonderful passage. Uh, Lord, there's, there's so much here to encourage us. And Lord, you've given so much here to instruct us. Uh, by way of Paul's example. And Father, I pray this morning that, that we would take this time seriously, that we would, uh, we would ask you now to help us focus our attention upon you and upon these thy words. And Lord, that we would get a hold of them this morning and, and chew on them. And Father, I ask you to help us now to uh, understand and to apply, uh, to incorporate these things into our prayer life which is so desperately important. Lord, help us uh, to understand not only the privilege that we have to pray, uh, but Father, the power of prayer, and, and we see here this morning uh, how you would have us to be praying. Lord, thank you for the instruction here, and I pray that we would uh, just take this up in a very practical way and incorporate this into uh, our prayer lives going forward. Father, help me. Uh, I most certainly need your help now. I ask you for it. I pray for it now. Lord, I pray that you would just work wonderfully, mightily, uh, as only you can in this message today. Father, thank you. Thank you. I love you, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. So uh, hopefully you've got your, your notebooks out, your, your, your paper, your pencil, your pen, whatever it is. Uh, let's, let's get some main points down this morning. I've, I've already given you uh, kind of a rough outline. I'll give you three main points this morning, two or three points under each main point, and that's it. Uh, I'll, I'll add some other verses and things, and you can get the verse references down, but I want to keep this as, as simple uh, as, as possible, no more complicated than necessary uh, to really see what the, the meaning and uh, application of the passage is 
this morning. So uh, we'll see here Paul's prompts to prayer, number one, the things that prompted him to pray, uh, at least in this occasion. We'll see the particulars of, of Paul's prayer. What did he pray? And then the ultimate purpose. What was the ultimate goal of, of the things, of the particular things uh, that he prayed for here? Now, I began by asking you a question. Don't lose sight of this, please. What is it that prompts you to pray for one another? Uh, I hope this morning that we could say that we are people of much prayer uh, for each other, of yielded prayer. Lord, lead me to pray for whom you would have me to pray for, when you would have me to do that. Uh, burden me to pray for specific things for particular people. That, that's, that's good. That, that's all good. But I fear sometimes, uh, sometimes there is a temptation to only pray for each other when you know that some, some uh, trial is going on in, in someone's life. You may become aware of a physical trial, an illness, or financial trial, or uh, some family issue. Whatever it is, there's a temptation sometimes to only pray for each other when we're aware of some trial or challenge or difficulty. I want you to see here this morning, uh, notice that that is not, that those, those are things that we should be praying about, but, but Paul is prompted to pray by something very different this morning. Uh, and, I, and I hope we, we can see this and, and be reminded that uh, trials should not be our only prompts to prayer for each other, uh, to pray for each other. So uh, number one, see here Paul's prompts. What prompted him uh, to pray? You see this here in verse 15. He says, wherefore I also, and see, after I heard, what, what did you hear, Paul? He heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus first, and secondly, their love to unto all the saints. Now, we, I'll continue to make reference between Colossians and Ephesians as we did uh, in the 10 o'clock hour this morning in Colossians 1. Uh, it's good that we're kind of tracking through Colossians and Ephesians together because they're recurring themes that will overlap somewhat and reinforce, the messages will reinforce each other and complement each other in a wonderful way. By the way, as God's word does, um, Paul did write something similar to Colossian church. He said in Colossians 1 and verse 3, he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. Paul wrote the same thing to the Colossian church. He wrote something similar to Philemon, Philemon 4. He said, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy faith of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus uh, and toward all the saints. So this was a recurring theme in Paul's uh, writing to churches and to individuals because the Holy Spirit had him uh, to pray, to be prompted to pray this way and to tell people about it. He wanted to encourage them, no doubt, that he was praying. But this Holy Spirit, no doubt, also wants us to see, to observe, to be instructed by Paul's own example. He didn't just pray about trials or difficulties. Lord, uh, I'm praying for this person today because of this trial. Do that. Again, do that. But don't only do that. Uh, we see here, I'm going to give you two Fs, okay, two Fs, two uh, Fs that will be prompts uh, to pray that we see here. Of course, you've seen them already. The first thing, letter A in your notes, if you like, uh, he, he observed, he heard, he says, I heard uh, that you were full of faith in the Lord Jesus. Uh, they were full of faith uh, in Christ. He was prompted to pray for the Ephesians after hearing of their faith in Christ. Uh, in Romans 1 and verse 8, Paul said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Hey, if, you, if you're thinking about or, or, or uh, you hear or you observe or you see that some particular church member is just full of faith, they have this wonderful faith, uh, let that be a prompt for you to pray for them. Uh, let them don't don't let yourself think. Oh, you know what? That person is doing great. They're they're growing and their their faith is growing and they're and they're so faithful. I don't need to pray for them. Let me pray for someone who's struggling. No, Paul is prompted to pray by their faith, by their growth, 
by their maturity or their increasing maturity, their faith in the Lord. Uh, he also was prompted to pray by their love unto all the saints. If you observe or you hear uh, or, or someone demonstrates love to you, let that be a prompt to pray for that person. Again, don't think, oh, you know what? That person's doing great. Look at the love they're demonstrating to me. Look at the love they're demonstrating to others. I don't need to pray for them. They're, they're doing great. No, Paul was prompted to pray both by faith that he observed and by love unto all the saints. The love that he heard of, uh, no doubt love that was being demonstrated by the members of the Ephesian church to uh, one another. Let me share a few verses with you about, about love. Uh, get this one down, please. First uh, Thessalonians 4 and verse 9, Paul wrote to that church, he said, but as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. We've seen that verse recently. Be reminded of it this morning. We are taught of God to love one another. And don't, don't let yourself think, oh, just because I, I can't uh, be in church and see people and encourage them uh, face to face that you can't show love. No, you absolutely can. And I want to continue to encourage you uh, to do that. Call, text, email. Uh, call a lot. Calling is good. It's, it's sometimes better. You can hear tone of voice. And so we've, we've talked about that. Um, give. Uh, continue to give to our, our deacons, our, our benevolence account, so that we can continue to meet each other's needs. I encourage you, as God leads, to continue doing that. Uh, in Hebrews 6 and verse 10, the Bible says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Uh, Paul was commending the, the believers there for the fact that they had been demonstrating love to each other and that they still were doing it. Don't rest on your laurels. Don't say, you know, I've demonstrated a lot of love for a long time. It'd be nice to get someone to do that to me now. Yes, that would be nice, and, uh, but, but no matter what, keep demonstrating love as God gives you strength and power and uh, shows, shows opportunities as you have opportunity, do that. Do that in God's strength. In 1 Peter 1 and, and verse 22, uh, Peter writes, Seeing ye have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love, uh, not, not insincere, but genuine love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart. Well, you might know the next word. It's fervently. Really invest yourself in demonstrating love to each other do that fervently. Don't, don't have a casual, well, maybe I'll get around to that. No, I want to encourage you, even now or uh, at some point today, pray, God, uh, I understand you, you've called me to have this fervent love to demonstrate, to be in the business of demonstrating a fervent love uh, to fellow church members. Lord, show me who you would have me to do that uh, for today. God, if there's a need, reveal that to me. Uh, God, if there's a, uh, someone who needs to be encouraged, lay that person on my heart. God, uh, give me a heart to demonstrate love fervently uh, to my fellow church members. And, and Lord, reveal opportunities to that, uh, to do that. So uh, for Paul, these were, these were both prompts to prayer. The fact that people were doing well in the Lord, they had a, uh, a great faith and uh, they were in the business of showing love to each other. These were occasions for prayer. Uh, Paul wants to be in the business of praying for people who are doing well, not just those uh, who, are, who might be doing poorly or who might be facing uh, difficult trials. Now, let me stop there and, and just say this. If it's been your habit to only pray about trials, uh, only pray for people who are sick, or, or mostly only that, I want to encourage us this morning to have a new habit. Of course, Jesus has given us uh, his model prayer, and, and I've, I continue to encourage you to make the Lord's model prayer the model for your prayer. That is what he intended, and there's uh, there, there's a wonderful breadth that's, it's not just about uh, trials. There, there's so much more in the Lord's simple model. So take that, use that. Uh, but again, uh, let's, let's develop a new habit of praying for each other uh, when we're not doing, uh, yes, when we're not doing well, but when we're doing well, there we go. When, when we're doing well, when someone, uh, 
you become aware that someone is growing and doing well, pray prayers of gratitude and pray uh, prayers for growth. Well, that's number two. Uh, that's number two this morning. I want you to see the particulars of Paul's prayer. So we've seen the prompts, their faith and their love. Those were prompts for Paul to pray. Number two, I want you to see the particulars uh, of his prayer. We'll look at the when and the what and the who, but I want you to get these two G's. These are your, your subpoints under number two. Paul prayed prayers of gratitude for them, but he prayed prayers uh, for their growth. Listen, if someone is growing in the Lord, if you, you see they have a growing faith and a growing love, you want to pray the Lord will keep watering that faith and, uh, and keep watering that love, keep not, not, and not watering it down, but watering it unto uh, growth. If, if, if someone is doing great, you know what? They're, they're probably facing a trial because uh, being obedient and, and, and demonstrating love, that, that often invites spiritual attack. And that would be uh, one reason that perhaps the Lord would, would allow these or, or encourage that these would be prompts to prayer. But uh, boy, if someone is growing, uh, we want to be praying for their continued growth. And this is part of a part of what we see here today. So Paul begins with prayers of gratitude uh, and then growth. So two G's that are kind of the main particulars of his prayer. Uh, see gratitude first, verse 16. Verse 16. Uh, he says, cease not to do what? To give thanks. He says that he ceased not to give thanks for you. He's writing to them, uh, to them uh, making mention of you in my prayers. So he says he, he gives thanks. He's thankful for their faith. He's thankful for their love. Uh, he's thanking the Lord for making that possible, but he wants them to know that he's encouraged by it, and he's thankful for it, and he's thanked God for it. Uh, when you see someone's growing faith and faithfulness, and you see their, their increasing love, and, and see that, that, stop and thank God for that. That'll please the Lord. Uh, stop and pray a prayer of gratitude. Lord, thank you uh, for working in that person's life. What a wonderfully encouraging faith I see uh, in their life. Lord, that encourages me. And uh, if someone has demonstrated love to you, stop and pray. Lord, thank you. I'm grateful uh, for that person demonstrating love to me. Uh, stop and thank the Lord for that and praise him for it. Uh, God desires to be praised uh, in response to our blessings, uh, as we saw in the first half of this chapter uh, last week. Paul prays these wonderful prayers of gratitude uh, for them, for their faith and, and for their love. He says he gives thanks. He gives thanks. Uh, he told the Philippian church, uh, back in Philippians 1 and verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. I hope that you pray with joy. Uh, I hope that you have a joy in your life. In, in the 10 o'clock hour, I, I encourage us to rejoice in the blessings that we saw in our salvation, in the things that we saw and were reminded of regarding Christ, uh, our Savior. Those are occasions for joy. Someone, one of the men prayed on our 915 uh, prayer call this morning that uh, our, our afternoon business meeting, which will be online, would be an occasion for rejoicing in God's provision for our church, not just kind of a, a, a boring flipping through report pages, but I want to encourage you to do that. When we come together online at five o'clock, uh, if you're watching uh, today, um, May 3rd, 2020, when, when you come together with us, um, if you're a church member, uh, let that be an occasion for rejoicing at God's provision. Uh, prayer should not be a, a drudgery, and, and neither should be uh, a review of God's blessings to our church. So Paul was grateful. Uh, he was grateful. He prayed grateful prayers for their faith uh, and for their love. Well, let's, let's ask some other questions. What is he doing here? Okay, he's praying grateful prayers. Uh, I want to encourage you to kind of interrogate verses like this. Say, what's going on? When is it going on? Who is doing it? Who is receiving something as a result of that? Uh, ask those kind of who, what, where, when, why questions 
as you're looking at a passage, as you're looking at verses, that will help you to understand uh, what is being uh, said, what, what, what's been written. Well, we'll ask yourself this, when did Paul give thanks for them? He says, beginning in verse 16, I cease not to do this. It wasn't something that he did once and moved on. He said, I cease not to give thanks. He continued to do this. It wasn't a one-off thing and then moving on. This was a regular, ongoing practice. Uh, Paul prayed particularly grateful prayers, gratefulness for their faith, gratefulness for their love. It was an ongoing thing. Uh, I said prayers, uh, and that's, that's what we see here as well. If you look uh, at the end of verse 16, uh, it is plural prayers. Uh, it's plural prayers. Paul was a man of, of plural prayers, not one prayer, but many prayers that ceased not, that continued over time. Here's the good cross-reference. Get this down, please. Romans 1 and verse 9. Get that down. Romans 1 and verse 9. Paul wrote to the Roman believers. He says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing... Without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Again, without ceasing, always in my plural prayers. Uh, Paul told the Colossian church, we saw this last Sunday morning in the Sunday school hour, Colossians 1 and verse 3, he said, We give thanks to God uh, in the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Praying always for you. For you. So we've seen the what, the particulars, what he's praying for here. Uh, the when, it's an ongoing, always doing kind of thing. Uh, and then who? Uh, I think it's obvious he's praying for the church members at Ephesus. Um, but I, I, I want to do, as, as we often do, kind of interrogate the, uh, the pronouns here, <laughs> if, if we would. Ask yourself, who, who, is, who is doing this? Or who is something being done for? Well, we can see here grammatically, Paul is praying for all of them. Uh, he, he's praying for all of them. He says, for you, uh, making mention of you. That's our verse 16, grammatically, for all of them, not just his favorites. And I know I've said that many times. I've preached that many times. Please take care to not let your prayer requests be focused on the people that you just naturally gravitate to or, or perhaps that you like the most. I know you'd say you love everyone, but sometimes it's harder to like some people. I understand that. That's, that's, that's a natural thing. Uh, don't, let your, don't allow your prayer to be focused on those people uh, who, you, who you like the most or, or, or maybe are your favorites or uh, maybe it would be better to say those who you have the closest relationship with. Pastor, you might have done well to just leave it at that. Uh, Paul prayed for all of them. And we really do need to take care to purpose in our hearts and plan to be a people who will pray for all of our fellow church members. It's so important. And I, and I know I've said this many times. Paul prayed for all of them all of the time. In Philippians 1 and verse 44, he says the, he was always in prayer uh, for you all. So grammatically, you all, but, but he adds the word all. For you all, again, making requests with joy. Uh, Lord, help us to be a people who will pray these wonderful prayers of gratitude. Uh, yes, for those that we see being faithful uh, and, and who demonstrate love, but to continue to pray uh, over time and for all of our fellow church members. So we see he prayed these prayers of gratitude for them, and then he prayed for their growth. That's your second G, uh, second particular, your second G uh, under number two. Uh, he, he was not content that they would have arrived at a certain amount of faithfulness and a certain amount of love that we, he demonstrated for each other. Uh, he, he would not be content that they would just kind of grow up to that point uh, and stop. Uh, he prayed for their continued growth. Uh, he, he prayed specific, particular prayers uh, regarding their growth. He prayed for godly wisdom, uh, for knowledge of the Lord, for understanding of the things of God. Uh, he prayed for their continued growth, and he prayed very specifically uh, about their growth. See verse 17. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you, grammatically you all, the spirit of wisdom, 
and revelation in the knowledge of him. Next verse, the beginning of verse 18, he says, the eyes of your understanding uh, being enlightened. Paul is praying very specifically here that there would be growth in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the things of God. Great that people had grown to a certain point in their faith and a certain point in how they demonstrated love to each other, but, but Paul would continue to pray for them that they would continue to grow and very specifically in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the things of God. Boy, what, what a power there would be if, if we were all praying for all of our fellow church members all the time that we would grow in our wisdom, godly wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the things of God. Just let me stop right there for a second and ask yourself, when is the last time that I prayed that for someone in my church? Please pray that for your pastor because I need that. Uh, but the truth is we all need that. Paul's not just praying for the, the pastor back in the Ephesian church. He's praying for all of them. When is the last time that you prayed for fellow church members that they would grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding uh, of the things of God? Well, maybe it's been a while or maybe it just really hasn't been your practice. Okay, uh, fine, but let's not let that continue. Let's, let's take up verse 17 and say, Lord, help us to put this into practice. This is the Lord instructing us in how we should be praying for each other. So there's prompts to pray. Here's people doing great, but, the, but they can continue to grow. Paul was grateful that they were doing great, but he also prayed that they would continue to grow. Uh, and he, he was always doing this for all the churches. Back in Colossians, uh, he, uh, Paul said he and the missionary team did not cease to pray for them and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul was praying this for all the churches and all the members of the churches uh, all the time. Peter, uh, get this one down, please. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. Uh, Peter's desire, his prayer was that people, believers, would grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Listen, we're not Gnostics who worship truth. Uh, we're not Gnostics who seek, believe, uh, seek knowledge just for the sake of knowledge. No, uh, but we are called to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the words of God, God's words, so that we can know him better and walk according to his desires more perfectly um, over time. Uh, now, to that point, to that point, Paul is praying for their wisdom and knowledge and understanding for a purpose. This is not the end. This is not the end purpose. He's praying this as a means to an end. So he prays thankful prayers. He prays for their wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God's words so that there could be an, a, a benefit or an effect or some practical outcome to their growing wisdom and knowledge uh, and understanding. Uh, he prayed that there would be uh, a, a greater purpose that would be realized as they grew in their knowledge of the things of God. Uh, consider this. I can illustrate it this way. Uh, kindergartners are taught the numbers 1 through 10 uh, for a purpose. It's not just to know, oh, that's a 1, that's a 2. That would have some value, but it's, it, they learn that so that they can go on and begin to understand the, the ideas of how to do basic math, adding and subtracting and, and to move on from there to uh, things that have a greater purpose. They also learn the alphabet and the sounds of the letters so that something else can be accomplished, so that they can begin to grasp how to read and understand the things that are being conveyed by the letters that make up the words and the words that make up sentences and so forth. And so it is with Paul's prayer here. He's praying that the church members 
would have a fundamental wisdom and understanding of the basic things of God so that they could more fully grasp what it is that they have gained in Christ. If they, if they could have a growing understanding of the things of God, they could have a, a, a growing and greater appreciation of those things that they have gained in their relationship with Christ. And of course, ultimately, that would not only be an encouragement to God's people, but would be a prompt for them to praise God, uh, which he so greatly desires. And so we come to number three, uh, the third P, the purpose, really the ultimate purpose of Paul's prayer, that they would more fully grasp what they had gained in Christ. Now, we've seen some of these things in uh, Colossians in, in the Sunday school hour this morning, but I want to give you quickly three H's. So under, under the, the big headline three, the purpose of Paul's prayer, uh, purpose that they would more fully grasp what they had gained in Christ. And I'll, I'll quickly now give you three H's under that point. The first thing is uh, the hope, uh, hope of their calling in Christ. That, that's the first thing. Uh, look at verse 18. We're already partway into that verse. See the next part of the verse. He says that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. Uh, it would be easy to feel somewhat hopeless in the midst of a great trial like the one that we're in. Is there any hope of getting out of the house? Is there any hope of not having to do social distancing? Is there any hope of uh, being able to put off the gloves and the masks and the hand sanitizer that's drying out our hand? Is, is, there, is there any hope of being back together again uh, in our church? Well, of course there is. But beyond that, we have a far more significant, a far greater, and an absolutely certain hope uh, of our calling in Christ. And of course, that hope uh, is our ultimate salvation, uh, uh, our ultimate escaping of the consequences of hell, and our ultimate um, translation to heaven, uh, and our ultimate uh, heavenly rewards uh, which are incorruptible, which are eternal, uh, in, in a perfect place with a perfect Savior, uh, enjoying his presence and, and all the benefits that go along with that. In Ephesians 4, later on uh, in chapter 4 and verse 4, Paul says there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. We've been called to Christ. There's, there, there's no doubt that's the case. And there is a great and certain hope and hopefulness in that calling. In Romans 5, you can turn there if you want, but um, if, if it's easier just to listen, that, that's fine. Uh, in Romans 5, beginning in verse 1, Paul is writing about their salvation, their, uh, our justification by faith. We've, made, we've been made right in God's eyes through our repentant faith in Christ, bloody shed, his death, burial, and resurrection. Being justified by faith, Paul writes, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a great hope. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, this side of heaven, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Hope, hope, hope. Praise God for the certain hope that we have as believers. Don't miss uh, Romans 5, 3, uh, and four, right there in, in, in the heart of that short passage that I just read, uh, Paul said that we glory in tribulation, in difficulties, knowing that our hope, our hopefulness is grown as we experience trials, tribulations, and difficulties. And so this morning, I hope 
uh, I pray, I encourage you to not allow this present trial, this present tribulation, this present difficulty to do harm to your hope, but that you would draw close to the Lord and, and remain in his word and be reminded that these trials are very temporary. They cannot and will not harm our hope in any way. We have a great and certain hope you pray, God, help me to remain hopeful, knowing that I have a great and certain hope in my calling in Christ. Uh, Paul desired that as, as the uh, church members grew in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God's words, the things of God, that they would have a much greater grasp of the hope that they have in Christ. And that's my desire for you this morning as well. The second H that we see here, the second H, so the purposes of his prayer that they would grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God's word, the greater grasp of, of the hope they have is one thing. The second thing is that they would have a greater grasp on this idea of what it means to be joint heirs, H-E-I-R-S, with Christ. What, is it, what does it really mean to be joint heirs uh, with Christ? Uh, an heir is someone who has a family relationship. Uh, normally, uh, a father would give an inheritance or leave an inheritance to uh, his children. Uh, children become heirs to things that are made possible, made available, provided for by the father. That's, that is very much the relationship that we are in. Uh, we've been translated into the family of God, as we saw in Sunday school this morning in Colossians 1. Uh, and we have a relationship wherein we become joint heirs with Christ. The benefits, the recipients of many blessings in and through that relationship. Look at the language here in the next part of verse 18. Uh, it's wonderful and we do well to stop and meditate and chew on it uh, for a moment. So the next part of verse 18 says, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance uh, in the saints. As joint heirs in Christ, there is a rich and glorious inheritance that we have to look forward to in Christ. Uh, as you grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding uh, of God's words, as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes more fully to the, the meaning and significance of the words of God, don't forget the Holy Spirit works through God's words. That is his primary way of, of working in our lives today beyond the strengthening and, and, and guidance. He, he ministers wisdom and understanding and knowledge of God's word through God's word. So uh, as we, as we uh, read these things and, uh, and meditate and, and chew on them for, for a bit, the Holy Spirit uh, opens up our understanding and enriches our appreciation and helps us to grasp uh, what it is that we're seeing here. We have a rich and glorious inheritance now, uh, but, but really the, the, the focus in this phrase is, is more forward-looking to the inheritance uh, that we will have as joint heirs with Christ in heaven. Heavenly bodies, uh, a heavenly home, a heavenly hope, uh, all of these things that are so wonderful. This phrase, riches uh, of the glory, all, Paul also uses that as he wrote to the uh, Colossians. Uh, what he said, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, uh, the hope of glory. Uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful hope. Uh, a couple of cross-references on this idea of being joint heirs. Uh, Romans 8 and verse 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our witness that we are the children of God. Uh, Pastor, I'm not sure if I'm saved. Well, if you've turned from sin and turned toward Christ and put your faith in his death and burial and resurrection to be the basis for forgiveness, Biblically, we say you're saved, and the Holy, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to uh, bear witness, to minister uh, witness to that truth in our spirit. Romans 8, 17 continues, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God 
and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And he, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 1 and verse 14, speaking of angels, says this, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them that shall be heirs of salvation? James 2 and verse 5, the Bible says, uh, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that, that, that love him. We are heirs of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. We are joint heirs with Christ, believers. Uh, chew on that, meditate on that. Uh, pray, Lord, help me to uh, more fully appreciate all of the certain hope that I have as a joint heir with Christ, uh, looking forward to some of the same privileges uh, as Christ. That is an amazing thought. I believe today we can just begin to grasp that. But what an encouraging thing to chew on and to meditate on and to pray in. Lord, thank you. See the last thing, the last thing this morning here, um, under our final point, the purpose of Paul's prayer. Uh, again, he desired they grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of the things of God, the words of God that they would have a, a, a more full appreciation of their hope and of their status as joint heirs with Christ and his power, uh, his is the final H, if you will, uh, his power. Uh, Paul desired that the church family, the church members would have a greater, richer, deeper appreciation uh, a, a more full grasp, a more full grasp upon the power of God working toward us and in us. See verse 19. He says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power? which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and that every, uh, in that every name is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that, that filleth all in all. What a great and wonderful prayer. Uh, Paul's desire was that the church members there would grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of things of God, the words of God. He prayed that, but not as the end, as a means to an end, so that they would have a greater, richer, deeper, fuller understanding and grasp on their hope in Christ what it means to be a joint heir with Christ and his power, the power of Christ in our lives. And stop to think for a moment, boy, what would be the, the ultimate benefits of that? The ultimate end of Paul's prayer, this greater grasp on those things. What an encouragement it would be to the believers. And, and this morning, that's us, right? We ought to be encouraged by those things, uh, by the purpose uh, our hope, our status as joint heirs, uh, the fact of the power of God in our lives. We ought to be greatly encouraged by these things. Um, and also, again, going back to the first part of this chapter, as we view these things as blessings that God has bestowed upon us, that we would be prompted, as Paul was prompted, uh, to go back and praise God for these things. You can't praise God and stay down for long. Uh, you, can't, you can't be praising God and be uh, wallowing in, in sorrow or, or depression for long. If, if you will make it your business to focus on these things and to pray for a greater grasp of the things of God uh, and, and, and these wonderful blessings and begin to praise God and thank him for these things, there will be a There'll be a tremendous emotional and spiritual benefit. Those things go hand in hand for you. And of course, the Lord will be honored and glorified as we praise him for these things. I'm going to ask you to stop there and, and, and bow your head. Let's, 
Let's just take a moment and pray in closing this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for Paul's example of not only praying for people who are going through difficulties, trials, but, but praying for people who seem to be doing quite well, growing and walking in faith and demonstrating love. Lord, allowing their faithfulness and love to be a prompt to pray for them, to pray for their growth and wisdom and knowledge and understanding that they might have a greater grasp of these various blessings that we've seen today. Father, I pray for our church this morning that we'd be encouraged by these blessings, but also encouraged in a very practical way to consider these prompts when we see each other doing well, to pray and thank you for that. Lord, to praise you for brothers and sisters who are doing well spiritually and to not end our prayer there, but to pray for their continued growth that they might have a greater and greater grasp of their blessings in Christ and praise you for those things. Father, I pray this morning if if we've been convicted this morning that we've really not been faithful to pray for each other when things are going well, I pray that we confess that this morning. Lord, we've seen that Paul prayed for all the church all the time, and he continued to do that. Lord, maybe we've not been as prayerful for each other as we should be. Lord, I pray we would confess that this morning and seek your strength to take up a greater prayerfulness for each other. Lord, perhaps we simply have not really ever been in the habit of praying for each other's knowledge and wisdom and understanding uh, of your words. Father, maybe we need to confess that this morning and say, Lord, you know, I just haven't been in the, the habit. I haven't made that habit of praying those things. But Lord, I see now that you desire that. And so I ask you to help me to do that. Lord, I pray that, that our church family would, that would be the prayer of each of us today, that we would take this up and apply this to our, our pattern of prayer, the, the things for which we pray on a regular basis. Lord, that we might have a greater grasp of our hope and our status of heirs as heirs and your power in our lives, that we'd be encouraged and we'd be prompted to praise you for these things. Father, thank you so much for these thy words. Thank you for working in our individual lives during a difficult time. Lord, we pray this morning that you would continue to strengthen and comfort your people. I pray that your people would know a joy, a joy that is not in any way related to uh, uh, trials, but uh, a joy that is directly from your spirit. Lord, I pray that um, we would keep in mind that you do have purposes in the trial that you're allowing now. And although we may not see those things, we, we may be certain of them. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you. I thank you so very much for these thy words. I thank you for our church family. I thank you for our church. I thank you for Savior. And I pray all of this in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take our final hymn sheet and turn to number 414. We'll close with the first and the last of This World Is Not My Home. Hymn sheet number 414. is not my home I'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like you if heaven's not my home then Lord what will I do 
The angels beckon me from heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Just up in glory land will live eternally The saints on every hand are shouting victory Their songs of sweetest praise drift back from heaven's shore And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door And I can't feel at home in this world anymore Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word and to hear the preaching. Lord, I pray you'd help us to respond as you see fit. Give us the grace and strength to do so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 